Hi, everybody. Um, so this, the name of this session is Three Shows, Three Techniques. I think probably a more accurate name would be um, Dorky Radio Dork Shares with Other Dorky Radio Dorks, shit that no sane person would have the remotest interest in. Um, and this is, like, this is a session which is about radio techniques. Um, there will be very few inspiring you know, life stories. Um, it's all pretty much the hard stuff, so just want to give you fair warning, and anybody who, like, wants to sort of sneak out, I'm not going to blame you. Um, so let me just kind of step back for a second and give you a little bit of context about who I am and what it is that I'm doing. So I started at This American Life, then I went to NPR, then... I really wanted to learn all of the Radiolab techniques. And so for like five minutes, I was like, oh, I'll just go and be an intern at Radiolab. But then I thought, that, mm. and so then I decided, oh, what I should really do is just kidnap someone from Radiolab and, um, you know, like knock them over the head and push them in the trunk of my car and then... Um, bring them to Washington, D.C., and lock them in a room until they like me. Um, and so that's what I did with Lulu. I, I, like, I like found her, and I made her come and teach me um, what she knew and all of their techniques, which is to say, so I have had a, an experience in my life where I have been exposed to the This American Life techniques, the NPR techniques, and kind of secondhand through the radio lab techniques. And, um, I mean, to the radio lab techniques. And, um, and so, what, so, so what, I, what I am trying to do, I actually, this is like, I am actually proselytizing to you people right now. Um, and here is what I, I want to impart to you from my dorky radio heart to your dorky radio heart. Um, I, we are at this incredible moment, as everybody here knows, in audio. And um, where, like, podcasts I have come to see are a new form, and we don't know yet. They're, they're more flexible. That form is more flexible than the radio form. Um, its limits have not yet been determined like, I can tell from listening to, Leah, like, Strangers, Leah touted this um, Love Hurts series, and I, from listening to that, I got the sense, oh, it can go way more intimate. And then Serial obviously teaches us that, like, you can do segments. And, um, and so what I want to do with this is that um, I, I consider myself technique-neutral, which is like, I want to know all of the techniques that are available to me as a person who produces this stuff, and then I want to mix and match them, and I want to play with them so that I can see if I can't create something new. So essentially what I'm saying is, I'm going to give you these techniques, and you should, or, or like, and many of them you will know, but it's just nice to have them all out there in front of you, and then I encourage you to um, you, like identify them, mix them and match them in different ways, and innovate yourself, and then bring your techniques back into our community because it's fun. So that's my pitch. Everybody's nodding. Woo!
That's so good. Audience participation. I have to tell you, I have like a plan for you at the end. Anyway, um, really, like I have had this like thing in, in where we all riot at the end. Like this is like a fantasy of mine. We're going to riot. Just P.S. Okay. All right. So, um, all right. So what, what, what the hell is this? Huh, I'm glad you asked. So that's, can I, can I move? Is it all right if I walk over here? This is, this is basically like a history. So this is an NPR piece. This is a This American Life piece. This is a Radiolab piece. And this is an adaption of Radiolab techniques to an NPR piece. And now, um, and, and I'm, and I'm going to play like a little bit of this stuff for you, but like I d- didn't really plan it out all that well. So, you know, whatever. Um, so, uh, okay. So let us, let us begin by talking about the relationship of the reporter to the material, shall we? Okay, good. I'm glad everybody wants to. So um, to, to start back um, at the NPR, so p- traditionally the position of the, re- the reporter relative to the material was way more formal, right? And how was, how was that accomplished um, in, in NPR pieces of old? It, it's changed, but how was it accomplished? Um, the pass-off between the reporter and the tape was exceedingly formal. So it'd be like, I, you know, like, here I'm talking, and then I'm like, first name, last name, go to tape, right? Very formal pass-off. The emotional tone of the writing, much more formal, arm's length, right? Um, The, uh, like, the emotional tone of the performance, much more formal, trying to get authoritative. These are all... These are all techniques that give you a, a more authoritative tone, which is obviously incredibly useful in news. Um, and, then, and then in terms of tape collection, right, I, I think some of the tape, there wasn't as much emphasis on, in news reporting, like, like the, the, some of the tape felt arm's length as well, right? So um, they weren't necessarily going for the internal imaginative life of people, right? So now, d- does everybody like everybody's like following that, more or less? Okay. All right. So so that's so that's so that's like that would be that NPR piece, um, and I th- like I can just play you the beginning. It's a piece of mine, and I have to say it's it's pretty bad. Um, I'll just play like a little bit so that you can hear the pass off, which hopefully I do in the way that I just described to you. Okay. Several weeks after Robert Klitzman's sister died on 9-11, the respected New York psychiatrist took to his bed. He was overwhelmed, he says now, by intensely painful symptoms. You know, my... So anyway, I I used his first name, last name, and, and, and like, you know, it's a more formal thing. Now... Ira's innovations. So we, we started um, This American Life in 1995. Ira very explicitly set out to do a number of things. Um, one was he really didn't like the more formal positioning. He was like, that's terrible. Like, he actually, like, had some hostility to it. So we, we, like, dropped the first names. He wanted the writing to be way more emotional and intimate than the, the writing of news pieces. He wanted the tape, he, like, there was a lot of emphasis on getting um, your responses into the tape and, um, and, and to humanize yourself, there was the, u- the use of the, you know, of I, right? So that, th- these are all techniques which kind of 
reposition the reporter relative to the content that they are reporting on. Um, what else did he do? Um, like, so, like, for pass-offs, right, in, in that kind of piece, you would identify, the, the, he used first names, that was like a very conscious decision in order to make it so that um, there was less formality, there was less distance between the um, reporter and, and the subject that they were reporting on. And all of the things that he attempted to do, all of those small technical innovations did succeed. Like you turned on This American Life. It sounded very different than the other things. And it was these small technical innovations that he integrated. Um, and then there were also, we're also going to, like he also made innovations in terms of tape use, which we're going to talk about, and also in terms of um, story structure, which we're also going to talk about. Um, but he retained elements of it. So, for example, um, it's a script-based process, right? You write and you go to tape. It's script-based. Now, when you turn to Radiolab, which, like, I am more or less talking out of my ass here, and there are actually people from Radiolab here, which is a little nervous, but that's all right. Um, <laughs> just because, I mean, you're from Radiolab, right? I know, I know, I know. If I say something wrong, just a don't think bad things about me. But also, you can you can come up and you can you can you can like fact check my presentation. I'm perfectly happy with that. <laughs> I know. Okay, so with with the radio lab vis a vis reporter relative to the material in a variety of ways, um, radio lab moved the the reporter further down the spectrum of informality, um, and it did it in a number of ways. First of all, they uh, like just threw out the, um, the script-based process, so it's all conversation-based, which, from what I can tell, is a huge pain in the ass in terms of production, sorry, but it, like, I oof. and, but, like, great, but, oof, uh, I've tried to do it, it's really hard. Um, so they have like a conversation, but which is even more is less, much less formal, right? And it and it allows you in in a in a in a much more um, you're it's just it's just uh, it's just much less formal than than uh, NPR process. Um, and then like the way that they the way that they go about um, like there is there they essentially as far as I can tell. Um, they bring as many people on stage at the same time as they can, and then they interweave. Like there, there's an interweave between the the the, the speaker and the tape, um, which is more or less seamless. Everybody is moving the story along at at the at you know together, and 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 that again it collapses the distance between um, the reporter and the the thing that they are reporting on. Everybody is moving the story forward. And then in terms, and there's obviously way more emphasis than, for example, in an NPR piece on, um, on uh, like, uh, on, you know, having an, a, a reaction to the material, having the reporter have a reaction to the material. Because, I mean, the idea behind that is that it gives people emotional access. That's why... Ira wanted to do it, and I'm sure that's probably why Radiolab um, does it. And and there's a huge emphasis, from what I can tell, from like working with Lulu, on really like incorporating your responses. 
Um, so, so, so there, so you can see, this is like a history of like how, like how this has evolved and how one has moved from the other. And just in terms of this small element, which is how do you conceptualize the relationship between the reporter and the tape? And, um, and my own feeling about it is, um... Like, I don't necessarily belong to any school. I mean, I do belong to a school, but, but ish. But I, I, my, 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 my position towards this is you should know and employ all of these techniques. You should be able to, you should make it your business to be able to do all of this. Because you can, because if you have like consciously have a wide range of techniques that gives you options and and um and you can innovate so um like and i don't think like for example i i'm sure in this room because it's filled with people who are independents there's a certain um what's the right word like um, maybe the NPR positioning is not seen as um, attractive. Um, but I, I, I think it can be used incredibly effectively. Like that kind of emotional distance. Not that it, it's still, you're like, Jacob is like scowling at me and he's like, what the fuck are you saying about NPR? Like, that's like I'm getting such a scowling vibe from you. You have to do something different with your eyebrows. Like right now. <laughs> Right now, do something different with your eyebrows. I'm totally serious. Anyway, like literally, his eyebrows have been an element in this talk and are influencing the way that I'm talking to you. So just like up, up, up with the eyebrows, and then we'll be fine. Okay. So, um, so all right. So, uh, what the hell was I saying before I started attacking Jacob? That's what was I talking about? Oh yes. So, so you might look down on. Um, uh, like the NPR positioning, but like think about it as like an interesting element that you can use. So, for example, like like does anybody here know um, Gay Talese's work, Thy Neighbor's Wife? Okay, how awesome was that fucking pe- like? Okay, whoever has not read that book, just go get Thy Neighbor's Wife. It's so smutty, but it's and it's all about sex, but it's great. And I mean, it's like I, th- I honestly think it is like the most successful nonfiction book I have ever read in my entire life. But I raise this because it is what he has done is mix and match in a really, really interesting way. I mean, obviously it's writing and it's not um, radio, but he takes this, he takes the most intimate thing. So it starts with like this, this story of a boy masturbating and, um, and he, but he takes, he, he talks about this stuff from this like real distance. Like he uses essentially an NPR, very clinical tone, tone to, um, to talk about something which is like the most intimate, like graphic shit you could possibly talk about. And you can use that. You can use the disjunction between a more formal tone and a, and, and like really, really intimate tape. Um, and, and, you know, it's up to you guys to figure out how to recombine these things in, in new ways that allow people essentially to hear the content differently. 
and to, uh, which gives, I mean, you do it to give people access to the content. And you also do it just because it's fun to play with shit. But you also do it to give people access to the content. That's like the ultimate goal. All right, so that was um, the, the position of the reporter rel relative to the material. Um, does anybody have any questions about that before I start, uh, go on to the next thing? No, no, I'm so clear. I'm so clear that no one has any questions because I'm very clear. Okay. All right, so now let us talk about use of tape. Um, you can kind of see just visually. Did you like how I said that word, visually? I like had like, like 17 syllables in that word. Um, so visually, you can tell a lot about how tape is being used just by looking at this thing, which is actually why I like lugged a fucking computer all the way from Washington, D.C., just so that I could put that up there. I'm not even like playing you any damn tape. I'm just like, wanted you to see. So um, the, the way, this is, this is something that I've done. Oh, P.S., like just so that you know, like in order to understand these techniques, like I went through a phase where I was just cutting, like I was cutting apart Radiolab stuff to like, how do I do this? Like if I, and like separating all of the elements and like that's what that came from. Anyway, um, so the, the, the NPR way of looking at tape essentially was, or use of tape, is typically like a block of text and a block of actuality, Right? I mean, not always. They have fewer options because they, they don't have music as another element and they're limited in terms of, like, they have... Now, you can play with it a little bit, but that's, that's kind of... It, and you can certainly do interweaving, which I feel like is a, is an, is a technique that they don't take advantage of enough because it, it provides... It is inherently interesting when you intercut two people telling the same story because there is a tension between the two versions of the story which catch your ear as a listener. Um, and that's a very, very, very effective technique. In fact, when I was at This American Life, whenever I had a... I, I was a producer. I wasn't a reporter. But whenever I had like a really crappy story that wasn't saying anything and I was producing it, like I was always just like, well, we'll just intercut the tape because at least then the surface is interesting. Even if you're not actually saying anything, you can like make people think that it's interesting if you just do that, I thought. Anyway. Um, so, uh, okay, so that's this. So then we have like the This American Life version. And again... Like Ira, so the idea, and this was so, I, could, I cannot tell you how explicit this was. This was so explicit. He was like, we are not going to use tape in this way. What we want, we don't, like he felt like the kind of block, 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 and, and the kind of regular pattern of that lulled people into a state of unlistening. And if you wanted to get people to listen, Jacob, thank you so much for your eyebrows. They're really, they're helping me. That's good. All right, good. Um, uh, if you wanted to, uh, like, get people to listen, you would have something with irregular pacing because that would, because if it's irregular, then people are going to actually, it will help them to hear. Yes? Just uh, quickly, um, the first, is first track's, the first oh yeah, sorry, I probably should. Yes. Music, or so, what do we have? So, uh, so this is so this is that one is the talking, and that one is the tape, and this is music. Okay, thanks. Did that mean? Yeah. Right. Talking tracks, 
acts music. In Radio Lab's case, there's another thing, but they ran out of the screen. And um, there are other elements that I cut out too, just to kind of understand how they work. Um, but anyway, so so basically, what what Ira would do is he really focused on um, he really focused on intercutting. He really focused on se- using music to separate and to make uneven, like uneven. Um, you know, uneven, whatever, you know, like irregular, um, like tape, sep- music, tape, music. The music also helps you to listen, obviously, um, if, if you choose the right music and you're not like, ha- don't have iron made in underneath it or anything like that. Um, okay, so that, so that's like um, NPR, that is uh, This American Life. Okay, now here is for my money. Like the innovation that fills me with such joy and inspiration, which is the, the, the Radio Lab innovation in terms of tape use, because it really is a different way of conceptualizing how to use tape. Because essentially, what Ira did is he fucked with the NPR model, but he didn't fuck with it all that much. Right? It was still like, it was still like, I'm a walking and I'm a talking and then I go to tape. And I'm a walking and I'm a talking and then I go to tape. And it had that essential, like messed with that essential element like a little bit, but not that much. Okay, so here is the thing that has been really, really fun for me to think about and the innovation that I really, really love. Um, I think. <laughs> I think that the way that um, and, uh, Radiolab conceptualizes tape use is really, really different. So it's not like you're walking and then you pass off to tape. The tape is erupts. It comes up from underneath. It is, it, it, that's the way that Lulu explained it to me. So if this is wrong, you can blame her. <laughs> But um, but essentially, like, and and again, like, what they do is they bring everybody on stage at the same time, and then there's this kind of interweave where everybody's telling the story all at the same time, and the tape is, and you know, these people are having a conversation, and then the tape comes in and kind of erupts them, and just that subtle conceptual shift is really. I, I don't know why I found that so inspiring, but like I, I just I love that. And I'll just I, I I'll I'll play since this is like a radio conference and everything. Maybe I'll like play some radio. I actually didn't think about that. I like didn't. I was like, oh, and they were like, so what's the tape you're playing? And I was like, that is such a good question because I don't really have any tape to play. But since since you want something, I'm going to play you one of my favorite all-time pieces that I, if I can just figure out how to use this thing, because, like, Lulu made me switch to Pro Tools, so I can't remember anymore how to operate MTE. Um, so this is, uh, this is um, Sean Cole, The Death Mask. Has anyone, how many people have heard this story? Yeah, it's awesome. I think. I, I listened to it like 16 times or something like that. All right, and here we can, and maybe I'll like go in if I can figure out how to do that. Huh, look at me. Um, all right. So this is, I'm going in so that you can see this a little bit more. So um, 
So we're going to just like listen to this for a little bit and you're going to see how they bring people on stage and then they just like interweave, interweave, interweave. Okay? What's the story? So there's a story about a woman. Good. You've probably seen her. Really? You've seen her face. Oh. You may have even dated her. Well, put your mouth on her. Ew. Explain. So, you know when you got to bring somebody back to life? One, two, yeah. three, four, They make five, you take a class, six, yeah. seven, and eight, they make you practice on this dummy. CPR, yeah. And the dummy has this face that you suck on. Well, you don't suck on it. You blow into it. That's what I meant. You don't know a lot about CPR. Yeah, all right. Well, what's the story with the dummy? Well, so, so that lady. Three, nine, 30. Before she was a dummy, that face belonged to... An actual woman's face. The CPR oh. dummy's face is an actual lady? An actual lady that was transfixing and inspiring to millions of people and used to uh, basically hang out with Napoleon and Mozart. What? True. Yes. I first heard this story from this guy, Jeremy Grange. I'm a producer with BBC Radio in the UK. He made a, a documentary about all of this a while back. But basically... We... Story starts, our story starts in Norway in the early 1950s. There was this toy maker named Asmund Leerdahl. I mean, Asmund Leerdahl was making plastic toys, brightly coloured toys. And this story also involves his two-year-old son, Tore. I'm Tore Leerdahl. He's all grown up now. Well, obviously, I, I don't recall the details myself, but it's been told to me that... Uh, One day, was, he uh, and his father, Asmund, are at their summer home, which is on the, the ocean. And somehow, Tor toddles his way out of sight, and the next thing anyone knows... I was found floating uh, face down in the sea. And uh, I was just kept floating by some air trapped in, in, in a raincoat. He's on top of a raincoat on the water? So I, think the, I think the raincoat is on top of him, but basically it's keeping him aloft. So there's a bubble of air underneath. Yeah, and then Asman, his dad, sees him. I don't know how long I have been in the water, but when I was pulled out by my father, I was lifeless. And not only does Asmund not know mouth-to-mouth resuscitation... Uh, this was in 1954... There is no mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. I mean, no people didn't know about it. It hadn't really been developed yet. And so his dad... He was shaking me and... and doing whatever he could. Gradually, I responded. And as fate would have it, non... So, okay, so you see there... I mean, like, fabulous, fabulous, fabulous story. But also, um, you can see there some of the things that I talk about, so that I was trying to tell you about, which is, like way more informal positioning of the reporter relative to the material. They've collapsed the space between the reported on and um, the, 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 the reporters, <laughs> interview subjects, whatever you call those people. And, um, and, and everybody, they are kind of, everybody, the, the tape is, everybody is moving it forward at, this, at, at the same time. Isn't that cool? It's fucking cool. It's a small shift. I don't know how Jad came up with it. But it's a, it's, it's a conceptual shift. Um, or whoever came up with it. I don't know how they did that. But, but those are the kind of innovations that you people are responsible for coming up with now. Right? Like, that's, that's your job now, is to is to come up with small shifts, small innovations, and then to bring them to all of us so that we can all steal them. 
from you. Um, which this will, like, the rioting is going to involve that. We are rioting, by the way. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. Anyway, okay. Um, now let's talk about. Uh, okay, so we've we've covered. I hope that I, I hope that I have enough time to fill. Holy shit! Um, so we've talked about the relationship of the reporter to the material. We have talked about the use of tape, and now let us speak of structure, shall we? Yes. So structure. Okay. So so okay. So the typical structure. Oh, and uh, let me just say one thing. Um, hold on. Okay. This is my attempt to integrate Radiolab techniques into a news story. And here, let me just say one thing. I don't know how many people here, like, actually do news for a living or, like, are interested in creating news in some way. Oh, a lot of people. Hi. So here's the thing. A lot of the Radiolab techniques are incredible incredibly adaptable for news. Like, there's no reason why you cannot use them. In fact, so I went to NPR, and for a long time, I tried to use This American Life techniques at NPR News, and it was so hard for a variety of reasons. Um, some of it has to do with like a typical This American Life structure, which is very hard to adapt to a news story. Some of it has to do with the use of tape, which depends in part on on having um, like music to unsettle the tape and the ear of the listener. Um, but then, but but radio lab techniques are really really good because the shortcuts allow you to to cover more like information more quickly. And as you can see, how I just hurt myself with a shock. As you can see, see like I'm hurting myself for you guys. Um, you can, like uh, like I can I can show and I this is I'll, I'll play that later. But that's like a full on like that's a full on adaption of like a lot of radio te lab techniques. Not all of them, but like. Um, the use of tape, the story structure, which I call the five-star jump-back story structure. We're just about to hear about that. And um, that, those are, that's mainly the ways that I adapted it. Okay, so, let, so now, anyway. All right, so now back to, uh, what are we talking about? The structure. Okay, so the typical um, NPR story is structured, the way that I kind of visualize it is this. Mm? Mm. It looks like, it looks like that. Um, does everybody see that? So, like, you have an anecdote. And this, anyway, this is science, because I only report on science. You have, like, an anecdote, a colorful anecdote that catches people. And then you get to, like, the business end, right? And then maybe, like, you bring back the colorful anecdote to wrap it all up. So it looks like, like the outline of a dog, you know, like, head, back, Tail. Um, in my <laughs> twisted little radio head, that's what it looks like. Um, but you can use the five-star jump-back structure, and I'll, uh, I will, I will get to that later. But um, so the, now, in terms of a This American Life story, the structure is more like this. So kind of like a mountain that like fell over slightly. And what I mean by that is um, 
you have it's like it's like a classic romantic comedy structure. So you have like a a a like a series like a premise or like a question that you want to answer. You have a series of actions. Um, you uh, the series of actions. You have reflection on those actions, and then you build to a crisis or point of change, and then you have like a philosophical reflection on it. Do you know what I mean? It's like okay, Jennifer Lopez and, you know, like they don't like each other and like at first and then they like whatever, like they have a series of actions and then I don't know what happens. Like they, you know, get stuck together on a drowning ship and everybody, and then like, I don't know, then they're happy, whatever. I, like basically there's just like this Norm and Ira said that very explicitly too. Like we're using like the, a, a classic narrative structure where you're like building, building, building to a point of change. And if you were to go into a This American Life um, story selection meeting, um, as I did for four years, um, you would pitch a story, and like the question that Ira would ask is, "What's the point of change?" That's the question. What are you building to? Um, that's not a question that you ask in an NPR story, necessarily. Okay. Does everybody understand that? Right? Okay. Now we're going to talk about Radiolab, which again, I, like, this is just my own imaginings of it, and it might be true, and it might not be true, but this is how I see it. Okay. So I think of this as the five, in my head it has been encoded as the five star jump back structure. And what I mean by that is, I think in part because um, Radiolab is conversationally based. What you do is you start off in a story and then in the same way that a um, conversation digresses, it digresses. You go down a wormhole. And suddenly you're in a completely different story. It's an incredibly pleasant story, but you have just gone down like a wormhole. And so you'll start off here, and this is very, very clear in um, the, uh, in the um, story by Sean. Let me just go a little bit here. Look at what I've done. I, have, I really I have no idea how I did this, but see how one, the first thing is purple? This is one story. Here's a jump back, it gets to another story. Here's a jump back, it gets to another story. And there's this jump back that gets to another story. It's like, and they're all interwoven. But it's not, it's not the This American Life model where you are slowly, slowly, slowly building to a point of crisis or change. It is, it is and, and you know, one of the things that's very, it seems to me, very effective about this strategy is that, and essentially, they do create the kind of sensation, I feel like, that you get from a This American Life story. Because, like, the, the, the This American Life story, it is an emotional, it is an emotional progression that leads to, like, an emotional realization. And, um, and, and, I, but, but Radiolab goes about that in very different ways. Like, like, they'll start a story, they can enter, they, they can, they, they'll like start a story and then they can go to another story and then go to another story. So like each story doesn't have to have that kind, the, the kind of This American Life narrative arc, but together the stories create the sensation of a journey. Is that right? 
Just say yes. Yes. Yes? See? I'm absolutely right. No, is that right? Yeah, I mean, just imagine... Wait, can't, pitching, wait why don't you come up pitching. here for one second? I don't know if I want to be the representative. <laughs> uh, okay. Just come up. So, like, how, how... Like, just, like... So, is, is what I'm saying about tape... Okay, won't say anything about your eyebrows. Um, okay, so it, it, like, is that correct? Yeah. <laughs> and what about okay. the what about the conceptualization of tape? Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I like I like hearing your take on. It. I don't think anyone would like to hear my take on it as oh, much yes, as yours. Do. But no, no, no. What's your take? I would say just think of it as like you know you're saying like how Ira says to you um, like what is the point of change? Right. Like we have a lot of those questions for every single story. So you're right. Like if this, if you come and you say, "I have a story, and it's about this, you know, death mask that you, you've all seen, but you didn't know you've seen it." Uh-huh. That's like, oh, that's kind of cool. I love stories about things that I've seen that I didn't know that I saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right away, I'm like, Sean, what's going on? But then, like, what makes it work, and then what ultimately informs the structure is like what the, we call like the onion. You know, like if you pitch a story that's dynamic and it's really great, but it doesn't have any layers inside of it, I guess probably not. I mean, because I spend a lot of my time pitching stories that don't get made. That's a big part of my job. So that's usually what it it dies on, right? Like, I have a story that has one arc, and it tries to answer some question and ultimately fails, which is good. That's what we try to do. But, like, what you're seeing here is, like, a knockout from Sean, because he had a story about several characters, but ultimately... Like, it, it, is, it is just one story. Yeah. Like, when you hear it, you don't say, oh, I heard five stories from Radiolab today, know, you know? But, so. but if you look at the actual, like, construction of it, they are, there are five stories. Um, okay, and another thing that I learned from Lulu is just to, like, add to that. Like, so, so Ira would always ask, what's your point of change? And it was essentially, like, one thing that, like, you are like, one question that you're trying to answer. And, and the thing that, like, I, I find in my conversations with Lulu, the thing that she is always asking, which propels each new section forward, is um, kind of like, what is the question? We have to frame a question, and then we answer it. Like, that, I had never kind of heard of that before she came to work with me, but she was always like, well, what is the question? And what is the question that this raises? And then let's frame the question and then answer the question, then frame the question and then answer the question. Does that... And she's always asking, like, what is the natural question that is that this is raising? Which is not... That's not a kind of... That's not a... That, that was never spoken about at This American Life. Does that make sense? It does. I think, of, think you guys are just being nice. You think of it like... Um, you know, you're always saying, like, why should people care? Like, if you do news, that's like your editor will ask you, why should people care? It's like, well, because it's Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Right, right. Um, <laughs> like, once a year. Yeah. Well, our, our like, why you, you should care, like, our, our shorthand is, like, what thing do people want to know? Like, yeah. Why, what do you want to know there? Like, what's yeah. the question? They try to articulate, from what I can tell from talking to Lulu, they try to art. Poor Lulu. Um, <laughs> hi, Lulu. She's back there. <laughs> um, uh... Now you can, and so like you understand that structure, it's kind of conversationally based, so you can go down wormholes and then return back in the same way that you do with a conversation. You're, you're starting on talking something, then somebody goes back down, then you come back up. That's what that structure is with Sean's thing. And I did that, oops, nope. I did that here. Do you want to hear my adaptation? Yes. 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 Okay, I can do that. Okay, let me get in further so that you 
we can talk through it. And here's my adaptation of a lot of these techniques. Okay, women sit facing me, men sit facing the window. We have about 30 men and 30 women right now. It's Friday night, and 30 men and 30 women have come to a bland hotel restaurant in downtown Washington looking for love. For the next two hours, they will talk to people they do not know, one after another, in three-minute increments. Where the women are seated, they'll stay the whole time. The men we're going to have rotate every three minutes from table one to two, two to three, and so on. Michael Carlin, the guy who runs speed dating for professionals in the city, lays out the rules for the room. Explains that everyone should note down their favorites on the lined piece of paper that professionals in the city has provided. Explains that he'll be reading off funny questions before every date to help people spice up their conversation. And then he kicks it off. Go ahead, start talking to who you're matched up with. (laughs) Now, as soon as Carlin does this, the room fills. Fills with this incredible wall of words. Just listen to it. What are these people saying, and what can we learn from what they're saying? About 20 years ago, a psychologist at the University of Texas at Austin named James Pennebaker got interested in looking more closely at the words that we use. Or rather, he got interested in looking more closely at a certain subset of the words that we use. The, this, though, I... This is Pennebaker reading off a list of the kind of words that particularly interest him. They're called function no. words. Function words are essentially Not the filler words. Very. These are the words Not. we don't pay attention to, and they're the ones... So, for example, just to stop this for a second, the, 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 the underneath, I'm just having him read, and I did that so that I could provide myself with another element, which I'm not allowed to use music at NPR News, but if I do, if I come up with little things like that, then I, I can separate the... I could do tape to tape because I can have this other element playing beneath it. Um, And it started off with a story. It goes down into a wormhole, which you're listening to now, and then it returns to that story. Um, Once that are so interesting. Who, there, that, Now, according to the way that Pennebaker organizes language, there's another set of words. Content words. These content words, Pennebaker says, are heftier. Unlike function words, they actually conjure a specific image in your mind. He reads some examples. School, family, live, friends. Well, the way I think about it is I speak uh, bad Spanish. And if I'm in a conversation, when I'm listening to the other person speak, I am just trying to find out what are they talking about. I'm listening to what, where, when, those big content-heavy words. All those little words in between, the, is, etc. I don't pay attention to those because they're just too complex for me to pay attention to. In fact, says Pennebaker, even in our native language, these function words are basically invisible to us. You can't hear them, even though... You and I are talking. You and I are not processing what the other person says in terms of these function words. Humans just aren't able to do it. Humans aren't able to do it, but computers are. Which is why, in the early 90s, Pennebaker and some graduate students sat themselves down and wrote themselves a computer program that could instantly count and categorize every word that it encountered. 
They then used this program to ask all kinds of questions. Could you tell if someone was lying by carefully analyzing the way that they used function words? Looking only at a transcript, could you tell from function words whether someone was male or female, rich or poor? And what about relationships? What could you tell by looking at the way two people spoke to each other? Go ahead, start talking to who you're matched up with. (laughs) Which brings us back to speed dating. See, one of the things that Pennebaker did was transcribe conversations that took place between people on speed dates to see how the couples used function words. This so anyway, is what he found. We can. Pre- so anyway, what I so you see what I was trying to do there was I was very self I was very self consciously, um, I was trying to use the kind of wormhole structure, start somewhere, disappear, go someplace else, return to the conversation. Um, as opposed to the more kind of conventional NPR structure, I was I um, I tried to feed in another element by um, having the guy repeat the words in this kind of poetic way, so that I could play off of that. And then, if you look at this tape use, it's not like anything too fancy, but it it begins to play like to to unblock things. Um, so, so, which is to say, like, yes. Uh, was that story scripted? Yes, and it was scripted. I have played a little bit with trying to do the conversational model. And I, and I do think that the conversational model could be adapted. Like, for a second, I thought that the conversational model could be adapted to use, to news in a really interesting way. It's just that my facility with that technique is not what it needs to be yet. So it's very hard for me to adapt because I don't fully have it. Is is there an easy way for us to find that story? Yeah. You can just Google me and I don't know what the name of it is. James Pennebaker? Um, So, but I do think, I think I think that the more that the conversational model could be adapted for news and maybe even make things go like maybe cuz cuz the, the the question is I mean the problem with the radio lab model is that as far as I can tell is that it is exceedingly time consuming like Lulu and I are creating this new show which PS everybody in this room should like listen to and be like yay and just tell your friends even if you hate it just listen, like tell your friends it's great and um and uh, and get your public radio station to carry it. So um, so we we worked when we I met Lulu actually here two years ago. This is our anniversary because I liter- I met her here. I was like, "Hi, I'm Elise," and she said, "Hi, I'm Lulu," and that's how we met. And um, and two years later, we're starting a show, which means that right now there could be people in this audience who meet each other and then two years later they come back and they're like, oh, we started a thing which would be great. I think that this has this place has actually started a number of things. But um, anyway, when Lulu and I, ha- we, are, we are in the process of like creating this show um, and trying to fuse these very, wh- what, what actually amounts to very, very different process traditions her process like the radio lab process is so profoundly different 
than the This American Life process because the Radiolab process is a conversation-based process. And from what I can tell, it's very hard to um, make that process work in, a, in an exceedingly timely fashion. But, but I don't know. Or maybe it's just like I'm an old dog and I, it was hard for me to learn it. In the end, yeah. Okay, in the end, we ended up moving more towards my process. Um, like, it's basically a combination of the two processes, but we, we used more my process, and maybe it's just because, like, I am less flexible than she is in... Um... <laughs> That's right, <laughs> and I brought in a whip. Um, and so, like, I, you know, it might be that it might be a failure of me. Like, you, nobody should like take like it might be a personal failure of mine to adapt. So, I don't think that you should take that all that seriously. Um, and I think that people in this room should experiment with um, with using a conversational process and integrating it with tape for news. I think that's one of the things that should be experimented with. Yes, I was just wondering about bringing this to the actual newscast. And it's in a way, it could some, maybe someone betting it would say you're backing into the story. So I'm wondering, how did you get buy-in? What right. Was, what was the process for buy-in to be able to do this? Ah, oh, God. The, the the true, the honest, true answer to that is I like have the best editor in the world, and she's like really just awesome. That's the true answer. Do you want me to make one up though? I, I mean, like, I mean, like, the true answer is like, and also, I've been around for a long time, and like, they know who I am, and they know I'm not gonna like fuck anything up too bad. So, yeah. So I'm curious to know your philosophy with Lulu. Are you guys gonna choose a format and decide like this is what our show sounds like and do it that way every <clears throat> two weeks or however often you're gonna do it? Because coming from the same place as Radio Lab, where that's where it sounds like, but I have a show. And we given a long leash to try a lot of things. Yeah. You just haven't quite settled on which one. And we, we have trying all kinds of Yeah, no, we haven't settled on that either. And let me take this uh, let me take this opportunity to actually we haven't settled on it. It is a work in process. I think it sounds it sounds like this American life and Radio Lab had sex and had a baby. That is like kind of looks like one and kind of looks like the other. But um, that's a little bit what it sounds like. I mean, my to be totally, totally honest, like I don't. And, and let me. And now I have a, a plug for a whole new thing. So, like to be totally honest, I don't necessarily believe that Lulu and I have reinvented the wheel in terms of all of these production techniques that I've been yammering on at you about for the last hour. Like I, I don't think that we have successfully like reinvented anything because it is really hard to reinvent things. That's why it takes a lot of experimentation. Um, I think the thing that we... And here's my new plug to you guys. Um, the thing that we have done, I think we have a new intellectual approach. I think we have... We are looking at human behavior, and I believe that we are looking at human behavior in a way that has not... It has not been looked at before. And which, which leads me to this, which is these production techniques, although I have just talked to you about them for the last hour, are not the only ways that you can innovate. And they should not be the only ways that you think about innovation. Um, you should also think about, you know, 
intellectual innovation. You can you take on a subject like 99% Invisible did, which nobody has done before. You can bring new, you can be very aggressive about bringing new voices into the system. You can, um, like there are a million, to, or you can do what Serial did, which was like, okay, well, let's do it all over time, all like one story over that. That's an innovation. And, um, and if you're not great at production, which personally, I don't, I am not that great at production. I'm, I'm, I'm okay at production. I'm not that great at production. Like there's nothing that special about my production. Um, which is why I love working with Lulu because Lu there is something special about Lulu's production. I, I believe, I think like the, what she can do with tape is just much more interesting than what I can do with tape. Um, but that's okay because I have other things that I can offer. So if you don't have this particular facility, then innovate in some other way. Because, like I said at the beginning, we have a new form. We have podcasts, and we need to figure out as a community where where those things can go and what we can do with them, they seem to me to be much more flexible than radio in a variety of ways. And one of the things that I said to Lulu is, okay, Lulu, I sat down, so the show is Lulu and me and Anne. We call ourselves The Coven. And we are, you know, like Anne is like a 70-year-old woman and then there's like me and Lulu and... Um, we all get together, and it's a little bit of a, it's like, it's a, it's, uh, it's like a, it's ridiculous fun, but it's, we, we are all, it's a weird, like, in a little group, um, but anyway, recently we all sat down together, and we were like, podcasts, wow, like, something new is, like, they're, they're flexible in ways, let's, n not this season, because this season we're just trying to get ourselves on the air, but next season, let's try to think about what else can we do with this form, um, so we'll be thinking about that, and we will be evolving our production, and we will, you know, do all of that stuff, hopefully well. And then you'll tell your friends about it. Right? Okay. Oh, all right. So, all right. Do you want to do the rioting? Oh, wait, wait, no. All right, well, so then I have one more thing, and then we can do our rioting, because I know that's fun for everybody. So, okay, so, okay, so now the question is, like, um... How do you innovate? Like, how do you come up with new ideas? Seriously, like, how do you do it? I would love to know. But no, um, like, <laughs> how do you do it? So here's, here's what I think, okay? I'm not, like, obviously I haven't, like, really done, I've only done it, like, I haven't successfully fully done it. But this is what I think. So I think that the way that you do it is that, you or anyway, the way that I've been able to change my own techniques is um, you listen to a whole bunch of shit and you like steal. You steal from like television, like serial. What is serial? Serial is True Detective on the radio, right? Television has all kinds of shit that we can steal from, and you know, go to YouTube, steal from them. Whatever, like, somebody figures out in some other medium, um, you go there and you watch and you say, is there some element about this that I can bring back to my community and myself and, and, and use it to innovate, like some shift? 
And um, which brings us to our rioting. Okay, so, all right, this is like, like, honestly, like, when they asked me to do Third Coast, I said yes just so that we could have this moment all together. Oh, wait, no, we're going to do the rioting, and then you can ask questions. Like, that's, or do you want to, like, ask questions and then do the rioting? Do we have, like, a, you want to riot first? Okay, okay, here's what I want to do. It's like, you have to think of yourselves as, like, a Simpson episode, because I really wanted to get, like, a room full of public radio people to do a chant that was this chant. We will steal. We will pillage. We will steal. And then what I really wanted was for everybody to, like, start, like, pick up their chairs and then, like, start, like, breaking their chairs and then go out, like, in my mind. This is what happened at the end of my talk. I got all of you to, like, be like, we will steal. We will pillage. We will steal from, from other things, from, like, radio and stuff like that. I mean, I mean from, not from radio, from, like, television. And, it's a, and then we all, like, go out, like, a Simpsons episode and, like, destroy the hotel. But we don't have to do that because we need time for questions. But let's just have one little thing where we are, like, we will steal. We, everybody, come on, come on, come on, just do it for me, please, please. <laughs> Ready? Come on, just do it for me. We will steal. We will pillage. 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 We will steal. We will Thank you guys so much. That was like a lifelong dream of mine. <laughs> like literally that gave me so much pleasure in my head like for a long I'm like these motherfuckers are gonna like riot with me all right so um <laughs> all right so now that we've all rioted together don't you guys feel closer to each other all right okay now who has questions yes um the new show is called Invisibilia, and it's about human behavior and all the invisible things that shape human behavior. And it's on NPR, and it starts January 9th. Wow, writing, like, kind of, like, got me out of breath. Um, and it's, like, really fun, and I'm really, really proud of it, and it's the most fun thing I've done since uh, This American Life. And the best work I think I've done since then. Play some for us. Uh, I can't! I'm sorry, because <laughs> like I, 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 I can't, because I don't have any. Why won't you steal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I work, we will, I'm sure, we'll, we will steal. Um, yes, all the way in the back. Do you reference at some point some sort of five point or five star structure? That's, that's how, I mean, like, that's how my little brain encoded the whole idea that you like have a conversation and then you disappear down a wormhole and then you return to the conversation and then you disappear down a wormhole and then you disappear down another wormhole and then you come back up to the conversation it like in my mind you know how the structure was like this for NPR and for This American Life it was like that in my mind it's a five it looks a little bit like a star that got a little messed up on the way to wherever it was going and so it was like that. Yes, yes. So let's say you've stolen something. <laughs> okay, I'm so glad. <laughs> you've stolen a structure, a form, just like kind of like you did, you know, uh-huh. doing the wormhole thing. And then as you're looking at it with your editor, you're like, man, this is so earnestly stolen. Stolen. Okay, so, you know, all right, yes. You fix it to still make 
Well, but the thing is, like everybody, like Ira took like Ira took NPR and tweaked it, and Chad, I don't really know about his process because I've only like really seen him in person like twice, but. I mean, like, it's, he seems like there were elements that he took from this American life, but then he adapted them. But first, you have, to, you have to know your techniques. So just play with the techniques, and then you do little tweaks, and then those tweaks lead to other little tweaks, and then those tweaks lead to other little tweaks, and then you tweaked, and then it's something different. But, like, what I'm saying to you is that you should experiment. You should, A, know what they are. And these are not the only ones, obviously. Like, their Love and Radio has a whole thing, which I have not, like... Like, and, and, you know, 99% and whoever. Like, they all have their own things. And you should, like, sit down and try to figure out how they work. And then you should, but you should make it your business to know your techniques. And you should make it your business to experiment with them. That's, that's what this whole, that's why I wanted to, this is what I wanted to proselytize about. Okay? Yes. Just going back to the five star, Yeah, I can't. I mean, like, I don't... Yes, I mean, I can. Um, I can, uh, but I would have to play Sean's piece, which I don't know. Does Do people, like, want me to, like, play Sean's piece? Like, all the, like, you know, like... Like, mine, mine was, you know, I had, like... And I actually haven't even listened to that piece in a really long time, so it's a little hard to say, but... But his, like, it starts off with the guy... Who? Maybe you should just listen to it yourself. You, will you just like cut it apart? I'm. It's like it, like you can unless do people want me to play through it and yeah. play little pieces of it and then okay. It's really long. It's like twenty minutes, and I think we actually are done in like ten minutes. Just play a piece. All right, all right. I'll try it because I did do the whole cool color thing. So it starts off about this with this story about this guy who was like the son of the guy who created the doll. And that's what this pink thing is. See that pink thing? And he says, that's the face. Okay, and so how it gets to the death mask is, so the pink story is the story of this guy and how he decides to create a death mask. And then it goes into the story of the woman on, that there is this woman that... It was her face that was the face of the death mask. So then it it leaves this story about this dude and him him creating the dummy that everybody's been sucking on for the last 40 years. And it goes to a completely different story about this woman. Stay with me for a minute. Back uh, in the 19th century. Now we're in the 19th century. People after we went they down dead, another wormhole. Masks made of their faces. Here's one of Abraham Lincoln. There's a death mask. Really? Yeah. Because you want you want to preserve their countenance. So right after the person dies, pretty much, you take a bunch of clay and you stick it on their face and you make a mold, fill the mold with plaster, and then you've got a plaster mask and you can reproduce it and reproduce it. It was especially common in Paris. Hey, Radio Lab. It is a sunny, cold. Okay, and then so they're going to tell the story of this woman, but oh. By the way, but first, we're going to go to this shop. Now we're going to a completely different shop. Now the story, now this story within a story, so there's the story of the, the guy, then you get the story of the woman, then you disappear into a shop and you kind of hang out there. Then you, but that's all like a wormhole that is a departure from what is really 
in a certain way, the heart of the story, which is who is this woman and what is the narrative about her? I'm doing this. I'm answering your question. I'm like so surprised. All right. Paris October morning. and Of um, all these mask makers workshops that existed around Paris... 120 years ago. There's only one left. And we're about to visit... Right, so now they're talking about a shop. Which is like a mask-making shop, so I'm going to... Coming up to the they're not talking about a woman. They're not talking about a man. They're talking about a shop. Drop by there for us. They've still got this incredible workshop, and you got some rickety, narrow wooden stairs. Okay, so now they're talking about a shop, but if you go over and you finish the green... This girl. You get back into the girl. She's not a poet. She's not a conqueror. She's not anybody. Well, she's got to be somebody. I mean, who... Oops, sorry. She's not a poet. She's not a conqueror. She's not anybody. Well, she's got to be somebody. I mean, who, who is well, she? Well, the story that emerged after she died, uh, and this is possibly fancy, possibly, you know, maybe fact, but the sources are... Okay, so, so right just there, and I actually stopped cutting this for some reason eventually, but like right, just right there, they started off with, you know, they started off with a, like this guy, well, they started off really in a gym, then they went to this guy who created it, then they went to, then they introduced the idea of this woman, I'm like pointing. Okay, so this was like in a gym, the idea of this guy, you got his story, and then you disappear to the woman's story. Then you disappear. Oh wait, whatever. Anyway, I can't. I don't know. Then you disappear to make what to the shop, and then you go back to the woman, and like it just goes on like that. It's like a conversation. You go from one, you you disappear, you come back. Watch your own conversation sometimes. That's what's happening, and it's a very different model than the This American Life model, which is this plotted. Triangle on a slope. Yeah. In your opinion, why is it that it keeps you? How do, in your opinion? Because they're really fucking good. <laughs> um. But if you do that with know. a boring story, could it still hold you? No. Yeah, well, but that's, you use this. Uh, you, I think it's like, it is through understanding these techniques and using them effectively. Like, this is a great technique because you can use it to wormhole to other things that make whatever boring story you're working on interesting. You just disappear down a wormhole that's more interesting. And if you pace it correctly, you can turn anything into an interesting story. I think. Yeah. Isn't the like, concept of making a story about the CPR thing? Could really, yeah, could, couldn't it really easily be really boring? It but could be, but not in their hands. Yeah, no, absolutely not. But that's what I mean is like... At its very base, it could be a really boring right. story. Right, but they use all of these techniques so that it's not boring. But if they could do that with any story, why do they keep saying no to Andy? All I don't know. <laughs> it's so nice because he 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 didn't con- he didn't he like say that I was off my rocker. <laughs> but anyway, I think that we actually are. Are we out of time? Or are we? Do, well, we get, let, let's get let's get like three more questions and then. Oh wait, yes. Oh, can you guys ask questions on the microphone? You're welcome. Hey, uh, I'm just curious, what's, I mean, you talked about Radio Lab and This American Life, what's a really unusual place where you took inspiration? Because you're telling us to steal from TV, YouTube, I, I want to know what you've done. Um, oof, actually, uh, well, um, 
Okay, I have, I have, I'll, I'll, I have two answers to that question. Um, well, sure. So, so there was this, this great movie. I, I did a story, like probably the best story that I ever did. I was when I was twenty three years old. It was called Prey. Um, I peaked early, and uh, it was the third story I ever did, and it was about this group of Christians in Colorado Springs who were praying to change their city and they were they were praying through the phone book and they erected a prayer shield over the city and everything like that. The structure for that story was taken from Sherman's March, which is a documentary film which if you have not seen, it's absolutely fabulous. But like went there as a reporter, but then I but then I watched that movie and I was like, I can adapt this to that. And I interwove myself in that story, exactly the way that he inter- he's it was a, the, that movie is about this guy who was hired to do a documentary about Sherman's march through the South, but really he really just wanted to get laid. So it's an interweave of Sherman's march through the South and this guy goggling, ogling, and trying to pick up women. But it, which I did I, not to say that the prayer thing was about ogling women but it was about um but I just like I used the the interweave of personal and so that's one answer uh so from that movie but another answer is like I was I was uh, very nicely asked to judge third coast once and I was with this woman named I think her name is Eustace you can tell me what what you're Eurydice thank you and she had this great she had this great um, documentary. Like, here's like just like a little thing that I like that I stole from her that I've used in my work. Um, she did a great documentary about abortion, and it involved her her mother who it, who was had an abortion. It was a fabulous documentary. Who had an abortion in Australia, and what she does, which I have since stolen that little piece, is she. You hear this tape of her of her. Um, mother saying something about herself. And she plays you like two sentences of this clip of tape. And then she starts talking about something. And it seems like it's about something nice. And then she goes back. And you, you come to understand that her mother had an abortion, but that's not given to you right away. And then she comes back and she plays that little piece of tape and then allows it to finish. So it's like you get one little piece of a picture and then, um, and then she takes the exact same tape, and it's clear that it's repeated. And then she expands the picture, and it shifts the whole meaning of the thing. And I loved that so much that, like, that's something that is a technique where you air the the tape, and then, but you don't air all of it. And then later in the story, when you have um, when you have a different context for thinking about it, you return to the tape and you show more of it, and that allows you to play with the listener in an interesting way. I think. Okay, one more question, and then if you guys want to, we can riot again and then go out and break all the chairs in the lobby. <laughs> I give you leave to do that. Um, one more question. Does anybody have one more question? No. One more. Um. Could you expand a little bit on the structure of the NPR stories? I think really. Okay, so uh, now I, I have to be very wary of Jacob's eyebrows. Um, just kidding. No, but I, I, I mean, like, I, I, I want to put this in context. I work on the science desk, and maybe, like, Robert or Zoe can, like, talk about 
like their own experience with this. I work on the science desk, so 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 basically, a lot of the time you're like you're doing a journal story, and essentially you have to provide some color before you can get to the business of it. Do you guys want to come up and just like say a word or two? Like, does, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Okay, so it's like it's like I'm not misrepresenting. Yeah, substitute GDP numbers or job numbers. Right, you need some way to hook the listener, and then you get to the ugly business end of the story, and then which you just have to do, and then you now. But we we do that. We don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. That's what we do. That's the convention. We don't have to. We can use these other techniques, but we don't. But we should. All right, one more. Go ahead. Would you recommend people learn that first, like if you're newer? It's like learning classical before you learn jazz kind of thing? Interesting question. No, not necessarily. I mean, it depends where you want to work and what you want to do. I mean, here, like, the reason that I say no is because I have found it very hard to adapt. I learned one technique, and it's hard to learn new things when you get older. And um, and so, and you want to be careful about what habits you pick up and and how you. Uh, but you should you should just say to yourself, I want to try to conceptualize things in lots of different ways. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say so. I say like try to learn as many as you can and get them in and just like have a spirit of experimentation in play and bring that to everything that you do and then you'll that'll be better. I think based on very little actual experience with that, but anyway. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you for rioting with me. You shared such a special moment of making my fantasies come true.